kingdom. And if you guys remember, the, the Bible starts with God's plan for humanity to rule this planet. That's how the Bible starts. And the story ends at the end of the Bible, at the, at the, in the book of Revelation, with the ultimate superhero human Jesus being the ruler of this planet and him inviting us to be a part of that with him. You singing with me? I was hoping we were going to sing together. Uh, maybe later. Thank you. So you guys remember how Jesus does this. Jesus comes into our time and space, comes into this planet as a real baby. He grows up, learns how to talk, learns how to walk, learns how to build things. He's a real human, but his identity is God himself. That's the story of Christianity. He, and he does it because he has a plan to not just die for the sins of all people, but he has a plan to regain the authority of this planet for himself. And so the way he does that is he chooses per, per, particularly 12 guys who, who spend time with him for a period of about three or four years. And he's teaching them and showing them. He's training them how they would continue the ministry that he started after he left. And so he tells us in Acts 1.8, we, got, we, t we started touching on this last week, Acts 1.8, this is what he says to them just before he leaves. He says, you will be my witnesses. That means you're going to testify about what you've seen. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he says this, and he steps off the planet. And trusting those people, those 12 people with the future of this planet, and trusting those Actually, 11 people at the time, entrusting those 11 people with the kingdom-building work to build an army that ultimately includes the people in this room. So what I want you guys to think about is if you were one of those 11 apostles, remember Judas had bailed, so you got 11 apostles now, you got 11 apostles. If you were one of them, and you'd spent the last several years following him, expecting him to set up a kingdom... And then just at the height of anticipation, when you thought he was about to set up his kingdom and kick out the Romans, then he gets executed. And you think that the story's over. And you think, I, I can't believe I just wasted all this time following a guy who's now executed. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I put all my eggs in this basket. And then, a few days later, you find out that the story's not over because he's alive. He's alive, and he spends another 40 days with you talking to you about this kingdom, and you're thinking, well, maybe now's the time that he's going to set up the kingdom. And so you finally, you guys, you with the other disciples, you ask him, so are you now going to set up the kingdom? And he just says, look, you don't understand. That's not for you to worry about. Instead, you're going to testify around the world about me. See you later. Steps off the planet, and he's gone. And these guys are looking, this is what we talked about last week, right? These guys are looking in the sky going, I don't know what we're supposed to do. What would you have done? What would you do? Well, thankfully, Jesus had told them what to do. So let's look at Acts 1, verse 4. This is what he had told them they are supposed to do. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is during that 48 period from the time that he is resurrected to the time that he ascends into heaven. On one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, and we're going to talk more about that, wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for, I, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then down to verse 8, again, we read this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Okay, so what are they supposed to do? 
Jesus has just stepped off the planet. And they're looking in the sky, and these two men, messengers from God, tell the, the, the 11 of them, and whoever else is hanging out, he's coming back. And what are they supposed to do according to what Jesus had told them? Wait. They're supposed to wait. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the power to be given them when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Okay, so this is what I want us to do. I want you guys to think about what waiting is like. Do you guys remember when you were a kid? I need, I need somebody to, to show me. Jeremy, why don't you come in? Just, just sit there and wait, okay? Okay, you guys remember this feeling? Okay, I want you to wait there, okay? So just wait. Just wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you, okay? Okay, what I want you guys to understand is the waiting that Jesus taught these people to do was not simply just sitting on a stool doing nothing. Okay, you can get off the stool. Instead, I want you guys to think about this stool. We're going to turn this stool upside down. You got a stool here, and instead of just what, what your mom made you do when you're sitting on the stool and waiting for your time out to be over, I want you to think about, we got, we got four legs in this stool, and I want you to think about each of these four legs as being something that, that the disciples did well, they were waiting these 10 days. And I wanted, I wanted you guys to remember this so that you don't do what Jeremy just did as you're waiting for the Lord. Okay? I know a lot of you guys are waiting for Jesus to come back. Hebrews 10.13 says he's waiting for you to do what he told you to do when he left. Okay? So I want you to think about the, these four things that the disciples did while they're waiting for the, the Holy Spirit to come upon them in power. Okay? So... What they did is going to be an example to us. So let's look at verse 12. This is what they do. After these angels speak to them, they, then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is right across from Jerusalem. Walk down the Mount of Olives, down to the Kidron Valley, up to Jerusalem. They walk up to the city. Verse 13, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Probably the same room where they had the, the, the Last Supper, the, the that communion meal the night before Jesus died. They're probably still hanging out there. So they went up to that room where they were staying, and those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Okay, so it gives a list of these 11 guys who are together, 11 disciples who had spent time with Jesus who carry the responsibility of setting up Jesus' kingdom in this world, who ultimately passed it on to people who passed it on to you. And they all joined together. Guys, would you circle that? If you got your own Bible, circle these words. All joined together. Circle that. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Would you circle that also? So they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So what did they do? I want you guys to see. They didn't just sit on a chair like Jeremy and wait. They went back to the, to the place where they'd been meeting, and first of all, this is what I want you guys to write down. If you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, then I'll buy you a notebook too and a pen. They all, here's what, I, what you should write down. Is they all joined together. They all joined together. Do you guys see that in verse 14? They all joined together. Here's what I want you guys to get. This is one leg of the, of the stool. They all joined together. And why is that important? It's important that they join together because here's, here's what I want you guys to remember. The Holy Spirit responds to the unity of God's people. As all the times that we look through history, at the times when the Holy Spirit was poured out on communities like this, 
He poured himself out to people who were unified, who were together. He poured himself out on groups of people who were connected. And we've got to understand this because there's an attitude in, especially in this modern world of, you know what, I'll get the podcast. Or I'll watch the live stream. Are we doing live stream tonight? All you live stream people? If we're doing, like, the attitude is, you know what, I don't really need to be there. Because I can learn what I need to learn. By, it's going to be a lot easier if I'm just driving my car and I can listen to the podcast than if I have to go sit in a chair at the Cornerstone. But I want to say that, the, that you can learn a lot on a podcast. You can learn a lot on the live stream. But the, the, the anointing presence of the Holy Spirit comes in the unity, the unity of the community of God's people. Do you guys hear that? I mean, this, this is why I don't just do YouTube videos. It's why we, when we're teaching a class, we want people there because there's something that happens when God's people are together. And the reason is this, that this group of people right here, this is the body of Christ, guys. Think about this. this. If you're in love with a girl, anybody in love with a girl? Okay, don't raise your hands because you might embarrass yourself. Okay. Some of you guys won't admit it. Some of you will. Okay. By the way, one of our couples just got engaged. Where's Sam? Hey. So, so Josh and Sam are engaged. Thanks to the Cornerstone community. If it wasn't for the rest of the, for this place, who knows who you'd be marrying. That's right. That's right. You hear that, guys? She met her husband because he, he served her, not her husband yet, her fiance. Uh, don't jump the gun, please. Okay. He ser- her first time in the building, he served a cup of, co- cup of coffee, and now he's going to get married to her. Pretty exciting. Okay. Here's what I want you to think. Okay. Back to earth. Okay. If you're in love with a girl, you're like Josh is with, with sweet Sam, you want to be with that girl physically, right? Not just on FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime is better than telegraph, yeah. <laughs> but you want to be with her. You want to be with her body. Same thing. If you're in love with Jesus, you want to be with his body. Yes, this is his body. You don't want to just be with him on FaceTime. You don't want to be just with him on a spiritual level. You want to be with him physically. And this is, this is what's so important. And we cannot function without Jesus in our lives. And that means Jesus on a spiritual level, and that means Jesus on a physical level. These people were together physically. And they had to be together physically because if, if one leg of that stool wasn't there, the stool wouldn't stand up. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? That's why we have the cornerstone open from 9 to 5 every day. Because we want a place where people can come at any time and experience the body of Christ. And then even after we close at 5, we're, we got small groups happening here at 10 p.m. Because we want, we want you guys to be able to go to a place where any time of the day or evening you can come and be connected to the body of Christ. Because it's with the body of Christ in the unity of Jesus' community that people get empowered by the Holy Spirit. Same reason why we do the discipleship houses. Right? we got discipleship houses because in that community, as awkward as it is, living with all those guys. How many guys you got in your house? No, don't say. We might get in trouble with the... we got so many guys living in that house. You know why they want to live in that house together? Because there's, an, there's a presence of the Holy Spirit when God's people come together for anybody that wants it. Okay. So one leg of that chair is that they all join together. It's unity. The unity of the people. Okay. Second thing that they did. Second thing that they did is 
They all joined together doing what? They, they joined together not just playing Fortnite, not just playing Mario Kart. They joined together praying. They joined together in prayer, and they've got something that they are praying for. They are asking God for something. What do you guys think it is that they're asking God for? Say it again. They're asking for the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about this. Jesus had just left, and he told them, hey, look, I'm leaving, and I'm giving you guys my spirit. When my spirit comes upon you, you're going to have the power to do what I'm calling you to do. And then he leaves. And they understand that the promises of God are fulfilled in this world when we pray and ask for it. You guys understand this. That God has things that he wants to do in this world. We've talked about this a bunch. But, but the reason that we ask for his will to be done is because his will isn't done unless you ask for it. So many times. Not that he can't, but that's his method is to use people who ask. So they're praying for the Holy Spirit. And how do you get the Holy Spirit? Jesus had taught him before. If, if somebody asks you, how do I get the Holy Spirit in my life? What do you say? You ask. And what's the, what's the scripture that Jesus taught? Thank you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Because anyone who asks for Matthew 7, 7. But this, uh, Matthew 7, 7 and also Luke 11 said the same thing. But I wanted to go with the Luke one because there's something in there that's different than Matthew 7, 7. Which of you, he says, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or he asks for an egg. Who's going to give him a scorpion? So then, though you're evil, even though you guys are rotten people, even in spite of that, even though you give good gifts to, you give good gifts to your children, how much more is the Father going to give his spirit to anybody who asks? You guys want to know how to have those spirit guides? You ask. You ask. What Jesus was, had taught them is that they would get as much of God's spirit as they asked for. You guys, understand this. You guys want God's spirit in life? You got to ask for it. Here's a lesson, lesson for us. We can go around this room and I can say, you want the spirit of God? Yes. Yes. You want the spirit of God? Everybody say yes. yes. Everybody would say yes if I asked you. But here's the deal. Asking, just saying, just saying that you want God's spirit is not the same thing as seeking and asking and knocking and finding. Think about it. The guy who gets the girl, he might really like the girl. But he doesn't get the girl unless he asks her out. Some of you guys need to learn that. Okay. Okay, some of the, so the guy who gets the job, the guy who gets the job is the guy who wants the job. The guy who gets the job is the guy who wants the job and therefore goes and hands out the resumes. The guy who wants the A, the person who wants the A in class isn't just the person that wants the A+. Plus. The person who gets the A+, plus is the person who works and works and works and studies and studies and studies. Guys, why do we think that it's different when it comes to the Spirit of God? I think the reason that we think it's different is because salvation is free, right? What do you have to do to earn salvation? You guys didn't answer that very loud. We need to teach you. What do you have to do to earn salvation? Nothing. Your salvation is free. There is nothing that you should do or can do to earn salvation. And if you're saved, Romans 8 9 says that the Spirit of Jesus lives in you, right? So, but don't get... Don't get, be confused with the Spirit of Jesus living in you and the Spirit of God coming upon you in power. And so, if you want the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, that happens by asking. By asking. Just like the guy who didn't get the job unless he goes out and hands out the resumes. You don't get the Holy Spirit empowerment in your life unless you ask for it and seek it 
and want it. So this is what we're going to do right now. I want to throw, put, put a prayer up here. And I want, Shoshana, I want you to pray this prayer. Scatter, would you put that up there? And I want, I want, as Shoshana prays this, just read this. I want everybody to just close your eyes and pray along with what Shoshana is praying, okay? Oh, Holy Spirit, give me more of you. Teach me to love you, Jesus, more than anything else. I'm asking. I'm knocking. I'm seeking. Give me more of you. Give me more of you so that I can be your tool in this world to serve you in a greater way tomorrow than I did today, that I would be so full of you that people would know your love by everything I say and do. Okay, I, wanna pr- I, wanna pr- I want you guys to pray this one more time. Let's, let's. Matt, would you pray this? Pray the same thing. Guys, we're asking the Lord for his Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me more of you. Teach me to love you, Jesus, more than anything else. I'm asking, I'm knocking, I'm seeking. Give me more of you. Give me more of of you so that I can be your tool in this world to serve you in a greater way tomorrow than I did today, that I would be so full of you that people would know your love by everything I say and do. Amen. Guys, as, as we're preparing, why don't you think about those, these 11 guys. They're preparing to take the world for Jesus, right? As we're preparing to take this campus for Jesus, I want to just, uh, let's just have an, an atmosphere, an environment of praying and asking God for his spirit. Let's make it a culture at the cornerstone where the people at the cornerstone pray and pray and pray and pray. And our prayer isn't just about what God can do for us, but God, what can we do for you? Would you fill me with your spirit so that my life will count on this campus so that when people walk in the door here, they don't just get empowered by a one shot of espresso or two shots of espresso or whatever you guys are making over. They get empowered by the power of Jesus that it'd be impossible for people to walk out of this door without being touched by the power of Jesus in some way. Guys, that's what we're shooting for. Okay, so these, these 11 guys, they had unity. They had persistent prayer. There's something else that I want you guys to see. So we got four legs in this chair. We got unity. We got persistent prayer. And the, the next one, we got to back up a little bit and read the parallel passage from Luke, volume 1, from the prequel to the book of Acts. And that's in Luke chapter 24. So just back up to Luke. Remember, remember same guy wrote Luke as wrote Acts. So, so when Luke was finishing up his volume 1 of the book of, the book of Luke, the account of Jesus, Luke 24, verse 50, this is what he said. A little, a little bit of a summary of what he says in Acts chapter 1. Let's start in verse 51. Luke 24, 51. While he, while he was blessing them, that is Jesus, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him. You can underline that. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Underline that. In verse 53, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Okay, third leg of this chair, third thing that I want you guys to remember of what they were doing rather than just sitting there like Jeremy was a few minutes ago, is that they were not just in unity, they were not just in prayer, but these people were praising God. They spent their time, though that 10-day period from the time that Jesus left to the time that the Holy Spirit fell upon them in power, they spent that time praising God with passion. Now let me ask you guys this. Do you think that God cares about passionate praise? Okay. Absolutely he does. If any of you guys played sports, you guys remember when you were on Little League? 
If you went to your Little League game, who, play, who played Little League? Okay, who played basketball? Okay, whatever it was. You guys remember, whatever sport you were in, and your mom and dad came, just imagine you're, 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 you swing that bat, you hit the ball, you hit her home run, you run around, and you look over at your dad, and he's playing Candy Crush. <laughs> no way. I mean, that's like, uh, is that disappointing or what? Or what about, you know, we got, we got one guy here who, who was getting ready to do his, I won't say who it was, you guys probably already know, but he's getting ready to do his concert a few weeks back. And at, at the same time, there's a girl who's kind of interested in him. And he was kind of ho- hopeful for this relationship. He invited her to the concert, and she's like, oh, I like you, but I don't want to go to the concert. He told me in my office, he's like, I got to have a girl who's interested in what I'm interested in, who's going to be there cheering for me. This is my first concert. So that relationship's over. Bum deal. But you guys know what it's like. I mean, you got, what's the reason? The reason is we want people in our lives who are cheering, who are showing that they're cheering for us. That when we hit the home run, they're like, yeah, way to go. Not like, I think I win, I was going to win a little more Candy Crush, right? Okay. Now, do you think that God cares about that? Do you think he, I mean, I know what you guys think is, God don't care if you're cheering for him. And I want to say, oh, yeah, he does. Because I want to show you what the Bible says. Okay, so let's look at some of these scriptures. Psalm, Psalm 149, verse 3. I want you guys to see the, what the Bible talks about how we should worship God. Because it matters, guys. It matters a bunch. Psalm 149, verse 3. Let them, speaking of the people at the cornerstone, let them praise his name with dancing. And make music to him with tambourine and harp and electric guitar. And Jimbe, I mean, think, think about what this is about. This is, this is about worshiping God with all our energy. Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all you peoples, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Another version says shouts of triumph. Guys, our worship, I'm not asking anybody to pretend anything. But when you realize what God has done for you, we ought to be shouting about it. I mean, why you shout for the stupid football game and you can't shout for him? Sorry. Okay, just erase that. Oh, no. I just caused a bunch of division at the corner. So sorry. Let's all go see the football game if you buy me tickets. Let's go. Okay. What? Shout to God for cries of joy. When you realize how great he is and what he's done for us, why wouldn't you shout? That's Psalm 47.1. If you skip down to verse 5, Psalm 47.5, God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. How many times you got to sing praises? I mean, it's like, let's just sing. Let's sing. You know what these guys were doing for 10 days? As they're waiting, they're singing constantly, Lord. They're praising him. Okay, let's look at one more verse. Psalm, let's read the whole chapter. It's only three, three verses long. Psalm 134, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Guys, this is not a suggestion. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, all you people at the cornerstone who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Why is it at night? You know why? Because they don't want to stop. Verse 2, Psalm 134, verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. 
this is not a suggestion. Lift up your hands. I mean, this is lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. I mean, that's what God's talking about. And, and so you guys, that's not my culture. I don't care if it's your culture or not. This is the Bible. It wasn't my culture either. I didn't raise my hands when I was your age because that was awkward and I felt like I had awkward hands. Okay? It felt awkward. It don't feel awkward anymore. It also felt awkward the first time you walked past the girl that you liked, right? It was still good. Okay? May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. That's verse 3. The point is you raise your hands from the, to the Lord and you expect a blessing. I want you guys to see how the Lord feels when we show him how we want him by raising our hands. Okay, you guys, you got that little, is it a video clip or a picture? Let's see what we got. Okay. If that guy, okay. Okay, enough of that. Okay. If that guy came running at you. Steve. Have you, has anybody been hugged by Matt? Has anybody not been hugged by Matt? Okay. Any, Matt, look around. You got to hug all those people tonight. Okay. Okay. Okay, you don't have to hug him right now, but he pro- Not yet, not yet. Okay. You guys got to be hugged by Matt tonight because, I, and, and this, just try it. Do you try to be hugged by Matt and, pr- and try not to hug back? Just stand there. It's impossible. If Matt hugs you, you're going to hug back. Guys, when, when that guy comes running at you or the girl, the, the girl is inviting you for a hug, if she's your friend, you want to be hugged by her, right? Guys, when God looks at you and you're going like this, he's not going to say, you are weird. Get those hands down. <laughs> I was at, where, is Quan Kirsten here? Quan's not here, is he? I was at Quan, I did Quan Kirsten's wedding last November, I think. Another Cornerstone fan, couple. And at their wedding, some, one of the guys who hangs out here occasionally, he's with a friend of his, and he says, he says, Hey, I can't remember his buddy's name, but he says, hey, this guy needs a hug. And I'm like, I don't know, but I guess I'm, what, I'm supposed to give him a hug. So I, I kind of reach to put, him, put my arm around him. I'm like five minutes before the wedding starts. And he just takes me and he shoves me. He says, get your hands off me. And I'm, I'm thinking, is, I, I was offended. And I, it bothered me. I'm, I'm getting, up, getting up to marry Kirsten and Qua, And I'm thinking about, what is that guy's problem? But here's what I want you guys to know. You guys, been, you guys have experienced it before. You try to get close to somebody, you raise, raise your hands, you reach out your hand to shake their hand, and they didn't shake it. You know what? That never happens with the Lord. You raise your hands to him, and he's just like, yeah, here's your hug. Guys, we show him what we want of him when we do that. We're not doing that for show to other people. We're doing it to show him how much we want him. And there's something that changes in our hearts based on the kinds of actions that we take in our love for him. Ashleen just read a verse from, from James 4. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Guys, come near to God. Come near. Come close to him. He wants you. He's, he's asking you to want him. Okay, so... Unity, it's one leg. Prayer is another leg. Passionate praise is another leg. Okay, the fourth one is going to be a little bit harder to catch, okay? But, and it's, it, it, you have to bear with me here as we read through a bunch of verses. And as we read through these verses, you might, 
have some questions, you can come to Bible Q&A next Tuesday and ask those questions, okay? Um, but, but there's something in this that I want you to get. That's that as those people are waiting, and they're not just sitting there like Jeremy was, doing nothing, they're, they're united. Sorry, Jeremy, pick on you. He was sitting there doing nothing because I told him. Okay. They're united. They're praying for his spirit. They're praising him for his greatness. And one more thing that they're doing. Look at verse 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. As, they, as they're preparing for this promised power from the Holy Spirit, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. That's significant. They got 120 people who are following Jesus at this point. And Peter says, brothers, speaking of the other 11, really the 120, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled that which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He, he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. And then Luke, who's writing this account, he He's not quoting Peter anymore, but he explains what happened with the reward that Judas got for his wickedness. Judas bought a field, and as you guys know from the other account, it was actually the money that he was paid was returned to the priest, and they bought the field. But the money that he'd, he'd received was used to buy a field, and there he fell headlong after he'd hung himself. His body burst out, and all his intestines spilled out. Nice. Everyone in Jerusalem had heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. For, Peter said, now it's back to Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. Peter's saying, we need, we, um, Judas was a part of us, but in the book of Psalms it says, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and, and this is his point, Peter's point, is may another take his place of leadership. So Peter continues in verse 21, therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. In other words, we got only 11 people now, and we need, we need to replace Judas. So, verse 23, so they proposed two men. First guy, his name is Joseph, also called Bersabbas, also known as Justice. He's got three names. And the other guy is Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everybody's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. In other words, Judas left to go to hell. So then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles, making the 12th apostle. Okay, here's what I want you guys to get from this. As we prepare, we're, we're, we're in a preparation time to take this campus and take the world for Jesus. This is what we're doing. You guys, you guys are being recruited to be a part of this thing. And as we pre prepare for what God is doing on this campus, as we're, as we're waiting for him to pour out his spirit on this campus, I want us to think about what they did, and I want us to follow their example, right? So the church at this point is 120 people, right? 120 people. They're crammed into that room, probably a room smaller than this. So don't complain about how tight it is. Okay. But in a few days, a few days from the time when Peter's speaking, it's going to explode from 120 people to how many? 3, about 3,000. About 3,000 people are going to surrender their lives. They've all seen Jesus. 15,000 people have been following Jesus all over the place. He's a, he is, has been a hero. People have heard that he's alive. And now there's people there in Jerusalem from all over. We're going to read about this next week. 
that all these people, they hear about Jesus, and they're like, now it makes sense. We're in. And 3,000 people become believers. But because there's about to be 3,000 people believing at that time, and hopefully on this campus, there is some work that's going to need to be done. And so as we get ready for the outpouring of God's Spirit on this campus, not only do we need to be united and praying and praising, but here's what I want you guys to, to write down for that fourth, that fourth leg of that chair, is that we need to have people in place from the cornerstone here who are, who are willing and able and called, answering their call to handle the thousands and potentially tens of thousands of people from UTA campus who Jesus has paid for with his blood, who he wants brought into the kingdom. I want you guys to think about this. What, I'm, what, what Peter is asking for in this choosing of the 12th apostle is he's asking for a leader to step into a leadership position so that, we, so that they could fulfill what God had called them to do. It's taking responsibility. So the fourth thing is taking responsibility. What they did in this 10-day period of waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out is sure, they, they, they were together, they prayed, they praised, but they also mobilized. They, mobi- they got ready for what was going to happen and got people in place. Remember when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? What's the, what's the scripture? Yeah, what, 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 where, where's the reference? Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's, it's Luke 10. Luke 10, 2. Jesus is saying, there's people out there who need to be harvested. The workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers to go out into the UTA harvest field. And I've been praying, and you guys have been praying too. And you guys, if you didn't know it, you're the answer to God's prayer because God brought you here so you could be part of this harvest that God wants to do at UTA. So here's my question for you. What's your part in this? We're not asking you to be an apostle. But what's your part? you got a part. You, if you don't think you have a part, you missed what you came here tonight for. You have a part in what God's doing, not only on this campus, but in the world. Now, let me say a couple things about the, t- the two candidates that they chose. They got a guy named Matthias, and they got a guy named Barsabbas, right? Or Joseph. Is that his other name? Okay. Why were those two guys chosen? There's 120 people, right? They choose two of them. Why do they choose these two as candidates? These two guys had been committed from day one. From the time, from, actually, from before day one, from the time that John the Baptist was baptizing people and proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near, these guys are already in. And Jesus comes along, and they follow him. And they're with Jesus everywhere he goes. They're totally committed. Guys, I want you to think about this. The, the kind of people that God is looking to raise up for who will help to change this campus are the kind of people who are committed to what Jesus is doing, wherever he is doing it, however he is doing it, whether it's making coffee or burgers or popsicles or leading small groups or playing the worship. He, they're just in. And they weren't, here's what I want you to think. They weren't, these two guys weren't following Jesus because they were hoping that they could take Judas's place. They didn't know. They weren't trying to get a position. Guys, the people that we're looking for to take the positions of leadership and responsibility and on staff at our church are the people who are like, I'm doing this, and there's no way that you're going to keep me from doing it because I wouldn't do it for money anyway. I'm here. Wherever Jesus is working, I want to be there. That's the kind of people that we're recruiting. 
just, just this afternoon, Annika was upstairs asking about leadership training that starts next week. And she's like, I want to be in leadership training, not because I need a title. I just want to do everything I can to serve Jesus. There she is right there. Okay. And guys, that's the heart. It's like, who cares? I mean, I, she said, I don't care if I get a t- any kind of title. I said, I don't care either. That's why I don't care if you guys call me pastor or not. I mean, I'm just here as your servant. I'm here as your servant. Guys, we just need to all have that same attitude. Same as Matthias, same as Joseph. Think about who got chosen out of those two guys. Matthias. Matthias got chosen. What do you think that Joseph did? Fine, I'm out of here, right? No way. He just kept serving. I mean, he, he wasn't worried about it. He, he trusted the Lord enough to know that, that with the rock, paper, scissors decision, that he could trust the Lord. I mean, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't choose my leaders that way. But they did. They did. And we could talk, we could come to Bible Q&A and talk, ask why that was, that was okay for them and we don't choose our leaders that way. But guys, here's the deal. The guy who didn't get chosen didn't have a problem with it, I don't think. Because he hadn't signed up to get the position in the first place. Okay. Here's what I want to ask you guys. Actually, Scott, would you put my phone number up there? 817. Wow, you're quick. Okay. 817-501-8941. Here, guys, would you text me? I want to ask you, what's your commitment to building the kingdom? If you don't want to text me, you don't have to. Sometimes I say you have to. Um, that's, but you don't have to text me if you don't want. But I'm just asking, what's your, first question, what's your, what, what level of commitment do you have in, in this kingdom building thing? Are you in all the way? If you're not, you don't have to tell me. If you are, would you text me that? Just say, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Now, that doesn't mean that you leave your, your job and your career path. Your career path is part of the plan of God to build his kingdom. So I'm not, I want you guys to get those degrees because those degrees are going to be helpful in us establishing his kingdom on this planet. Your jobs are going to be helpful. So I'm not asking you guys to quit your job. I'm asking you to work harder than anybody else is working so that you can, because you've got a master that's worth working for other than just a professor or a boss. Does that make sense? Okay. But I'm, so would you, if, if you, if you want to share it with me, what's your commitment level in this kingdom building process? And this, the second thing that I want to ask you guys to text me is, what do you think your next step is in this kingdom building? You've got, you have a calling in your life to build his kingdom. What do you think is the next step for you? What's your next step? What is God calling you to do not 10 years from now or five years from now? What's, what's he calling you to do this semester? You're here at the Cornerstone to be mobilized to change this world. We're, you know, Sudan, and Logan, they're, they're starting a Cornerstone in Pune, India. We got stuff going on in Japan. We got stuff going on in the Philippines. Um, what else do you guys want to do? I mean, what's, what's, what's God calling you to do? And maybe it's not overseas. Maybe it's just right here. But let's do it. Let's do it. Because I don't, I don't want to still be just talking about it years from now. Let's, let's find out what it is. And, of course, some of you don't know. If you don't know, you guys feel free to just say, I don't, I don't have a clue, Steve. That's okay. There's no judgment here, okay? But, I, but, but Sudan, she was talking about um, doing a, a vision casting um, time together and just invite anybody who really wants to be a part of like kind of planning out what what God what's what is the next step in our strategy for the cornerstone students here at UTA what do we want to do okay so I don't know I, I don't know when we're going to do that that vision planning meeting but we are starting leadership training next Friday and if uh, if you haven't been through leadership training I want to invite you to be a part of it um, it's eight weeks it's an hour and 15 minutes every Friday four o'clock to 515 and I'd like 
everybody to go through that at some point. We do it once a semester. It's eight, eight, eight sessions, and um, it's not going to do magic and turn you f into an instant leader, but it, it'll, it'll connect you with kind of the vision of what we're doing here at the Cornerstone, and I want to draw from what, what God's put in your heart so that you can tell me what you want us to do also, okay? This is, this is not a centralized government where I sit, at, sit in my room upstairs and decide what we're going to do. You guys are the leaders on all the stuff that you see, the, the, the hamburgers that we do on Friday, this, the coffee shop, the small groups, um, the, so, so many things that you guys are doing. All this stuff is student-led. What's God calling you to lead? What's God calling you to start? What's God calling you to be a part of? Would you let me know about that? Okay, guys, let's stand up. We're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. Lord Jesus, here we are, our lives dedicated to you for your purposes. We don't want to be just hearing about the things that you've done. We don't want to just be watching the things that you're doing through other people. We, we're asking for the, the honor of being people who are in ministry with you, with your spirit in us, empowering us. And would you use this community of people to change the world? We just know that you've, you've put us here because you've got great things that you're doing in the world through the cornerstone. And so we're just asking for an outpouring of your spirit through these people onto this campus. And would you show us what's next? Would you bless all my friends here? In Jesus' name, amen.